You're watching Global Trade This Week with Pete Mento and Doug Draper. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Global Trade This Week. I am your host, uh, co-host, Doug Draper, and on the other side of the country is Pete Mento. And I can't thank you guys enough for uh, chiming in today. Um, this one's going to be hot. <laughs> we were just talking. We were just talking before it. The conversations that we have before we go live are are just comical. I wish yeah, there, there should be an outtake blooper reel of the uh, the dialogue we had before the show. Um, and the funny or, or, or the great thing is is uh, Keenan's with us with Cap Logistics. They're the ones that make all this happen. So I just want to thanks Cap Logistics. Please visit them at caplogistics.com. I think I've said that word enough, Pete, so it's time to jump into this thing. Um, yeah, before we do that, any, any um, anything you want to talk about? You want to take some Alka-Seltzer or anything to calm yourself down before we jump into this thing? No. I, if, if, we, if we were not professional men, like if we did not work for if, – if, if we did not work for companies – and did not have mortgages and children in colleges. We could, we could, you know, we could have like a podcast where the two of us talk about what we talk about beforehand with Keenan, uh, a Superboy producer extraordinaire. When we just melt down in the beginning of this, but uh, we we can't do that uh, kind of stuff. So no, unfortunately. Yeah, anyway, <clears throat> well, yeah. let's just uh, you know three, two, one. Let's kick this thing off, yeah. buddy. I'll let you. Yeah, so I'll, I'll you, you know, off. Uh, what have I said about Bitcoin, people? What did I say about it? So, you know, over the past four or five days, I suppose, we've had a meltdown on one of the big, um, I don't even know what to call it at this point. Call it an exchange. We can call it a, we can call it a fund. Let's just call it what it is, which is um, a scam. How about we call it a scam? A big giant lie. Uh, FTX. Uh, has collapsed upon itself because of the evil that men do. And the reason that we have financial regulations, the reason that we have central banks, the reason that we have federal legislators, and the reason that we have oversight is because money and purchasing and greed makes people do awful things, Doug. So as uh, FTX was was falling all about itself this weekend, all I could think about was Keenan was probably in some mountain retreat someplace, you know, he's probably off and, you know, some weekend thing that he, that he was doing with his girl where they were like, learned to commune with squirrels, you know, or something like that. He was just in one hand, he's got like his hydro flask full of rainwater and he's, you know, he's like, he's, he's covered in some, you know, zero, uh, you know, um, cruelty-free sunscreen. And he's, he's just got like a, a garbage bag full of gorp in the other hand. And he's just, you know, his hair's all down like a Wookiee. And he's screaming, he's Bitcoin! As loud as he can, right? Just, ah! Just screaming crypto into the sky because the pain is almost too much for him to overcome. The, the fact of the matter is that we have somebody who apparently was doing one of about a thousand things. So let's just break that down for a minute. It's been four days at this point, and all we can tell you for sure is there are as many rumors 
about what exactly was happening, as there are possibilities for grift and felonious deeds at this point, because since there wasn't enough oversight on the kinds of transactions that we're having on this non-fiat shit currency, we can't tell you precisely what was happening. So let's run down some of those rumors, shall we? One of them was it was just a Ponzi scheme. That money was going from this particular fund into another fund that was a research partners fund where he was actually going, taking the money from the Bitcoin and putting it into actual, regular, normal, boring stock trades. And when that all fell apart, he couldn't steal from one to support the other. Well, that's a problem, too, that it was just a gigantic money laundering scheme, which I, you know, I always thought it was to begin with three mm -hmm. that he was taking the money all along and just squirreling it away in bits and places and that he was giving it to other partners. And it was just a gigantic theft, um, um, theft motor from the very beginning. Like there was, there was never, he had a plan the entire time. And that as he saw people coming towards it, he started, he moved it off offshore mm -hmm. into the Bahamas where apparently he is too. This is what happens. People. This is what happens when you don't have a legitimate use of force with regulations and the rule of law watching after it. So I will say again, as much as I love the idea of a non-regulated market for how we barter goods and services, I don't trust this one. I'm not there yet because I think that people generally are going to do what's best for them and not what's best for the market. Last thing I'll say about this, Doug. Mm -hmm. someone's going to find this guy. Somebody who lost a lot of money is going to find this guy. And um, I don't think that there's a jail cell on planet earth. That's going to keep him safe from the wrath of the person that he has done dirty to. Oh, and Keenan, I'm very mm -hmm. sorry. I know every day this, this fantasy of yours um, collapses harder and harder on itself, but um, I, th I think it might be over with, but, but Doug, one thing I will say, and this, this sticks with the continued hilarity. You can't write this kind of comedy. Mm -hmm. Bitcoin still hasn't collapsed. If you look at it today, like I'm sure we'll get off here. I'll look at the price of Bitcoin. I mean, it's gone down, but mm -hmm. it hasn't collapsed. It hasn't collapsed. Mm. <clears throat> My only comment to all of that, Pete, is, is it going to be Netflix, Hulu, uh, Apple TV or Prime that's going to run the um, uh, the made-for-TV movie about this whole scenario. That that won't come out. They turn them out pretty quick, Pete, so that'll come out probably spring of 2023. But uh, that that's it. I don't know what else to say. My, my bet's going to be Amazon.com because Bezos has a real problem with these types of people. So mm -hmm. I think that he would probably put some, some real money into depicting this. I don't know who would play this wackadoodle. Um, I just put some thought into this. Maybe, maybe the kid um, who who did Zuckerberg, they could give him some goofy hair, and he could do yeah, it. What I don't was know. that? Oh, um, what is uh, his name? The Facebook movie. I don't remember his name. Yeah, uh, um, Eisenberg. Jesse Eisenberg. Is that it? Yeah, I think. Is, is I don't know. The other guy actor. is. Yeah, he is an excellent actor. And then, uh, God, I can't think of this guy's name. By the end of the day, he was in um, Wolf of Wall Street and um, oh, the uh, Fiona. Jonah yeah, Jonah. Jonah Hill. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be you good could be perfect. Yeah. Jonah Hill. Mm. All right. 
What's up, guys? I'm here with my boy Sam from FTX. We're at Crypto Bahamas Conference. We're going to start the day. We're going to be an amazing day. We'll get started. We'll do a uh, get ready with me. Sam, where are you going, bro? Well, okay, my dog, topic. Let's, let's, let's keep our stroke fast going today. We're, all, we're both going to have the aneurysms before the, the, this, this thing is over with. Yeah. Yeah. My, this one's a little more tame, but um, it goes back to the transportation side of our global trade and, and logistics and supply chain. And this is a diff, an interesting take. So there's been a lot of um, news and information about FedEx and kind of how 2022 has been a little bit of a, a unique year for those guys with some of their earnings. And you're seeing a lot of um, press and things, even just this past weekend about fixing their network. I think they're uh, furloughing uh, uh, a bunch of the LTL drivers and things of that nature. So my take on this, Pete, is the whole reason that they're having all these challenges is the concept of the subcontractors that they have uh, with their ground delivery service. Now, this is going to test uh, folks' knowledge, but 1997-ish, FedEx needed to get into the ground market, and they bought a company called RPS. Um, there's a parent company, I can't remember the name of it, but RPS was an entire contract model. They had to take over those contracts. And so much like people are familiar with Amazon, right now and they outsource their final mile delivery. FedEx has been that way um, well, basically for 20 plus years. And I think with the explosion of e-commerce um, and the disgruntled nature of final mile people, um, I think that's been um, uh, been a big problem. So 100% of the ground network is subcontracted uh, sub out. And uh, their whole network has been siloed, right? If there's any FedEx folks out there, I may be getting some of this incorrect, um, uh, but 30,000 foot view, I think it's spot on. So they came out with this thing called Network 2.0, which is about a $2 billion investment to consolidate all these silos, right? Because you got ground operating, as I just mentioned, you got the LTL network, you got the traditional uh, express, and all of those have not really collaboratively worked together as much as they could. And so the Network 2.0, which was rolled out or talked about earlier this year. So I think that they'll be able um, uh, to turn the page. FedEx, I think, is a great company. I got a lot of respect for those guys. Um, but the forward lean on this one, Pete, is that they got to focus on the bookends, in my opinion, which is the pickup and delivery, right? Those subcontractors, they got to get them in the fold. Uh, and the concept of chucking packages on, on, on porches and all the horror stories we see with, uh, um, you know, out there on, uh, on uh, social networks and stuff. Um, and then they need to gain some LTL efficiencies. Again, part of what they talked about on Saturday is reducing uh, some of the drivers. They're going to try to consolidate stations. Uh, and it's going to be a big, big revamp operationally. Um, but I'm all for it. Uh, bring it on. It's all part of the rehab of the roaring 20s that we talked about for so many, uh, uh, so many uh, uh, shows in the past. So Anyway, interesting, at least they're, in my opinion, identifying it. And my personal opinion is you got to deal with the subcontractors that handle the pickup and delivery, specifically with the ground network. Um, that's really been the growth of the, of the e-commerce and that'll help. So that's my take on it. Um, what's your thoughts? It's, it's funny, you know, Doug, I, I was going over my, my notes over the news, you know, uh, I think it was this morning or last night. And I saw, it was, must have been last night, I saw this article. I said, wow, this would be a great thing for global trade this week. And I said, oh, no, there's no way Doug doesn't pick this. This <laughs> story has Doug written all over it. And it's a ground thing, and that's kind of Doug's, yeah, I'm leaving that alone. Yeah. 
Um, but this this falls in line with a lot of things that you generally predict, right? Um, so this this idea of um, you know the, the outsource problem, this idea of of um, not having your arms around a solution, the idea of uh, companies that haven't really invested in their own solutions. I see this as a harbinger of bad news to come. So we had a week of bad news in this industry. Uh, so C.H. Robinson announced some pretty significant layoffs. Um, mm-hmm. Pretty significant, you know. Um, I, I think, you know, there's not a lot of us in this industry that weren't weren't uh, aware of a friend that wasn't hit with it because, you know, so many people over at Robinson. And then FedEx coming out with that. And now I'm beginning to get trickles of people at other forwarders, other over-the-road businesses. And it seems to be hitting um, individuals that are either very high on the pay scale or people who are subcontracted into this pay scale. So they're saying, these are the folks that we probably paid a lot to over time, right, that that are more strategic in their role with us. So we're, we're really at a basic spec, like you always say, back to basic, stick on those bookends of what we do. And the second half of it was, mm-hmm. this was part of the surge hiring that we did during COVID. It was part of that. Things are nuts right now. We could afford to bring you on then because it was part of our growth that we were going through during what was just really madness during the pandemic. And we see that as ending now. Um, but what really struck with me, Doug, and you mentioned this, is this is the craziest time of year for FedEx. Like this is, it's the holidays, man. Like when FedEx mm-hmm. says, because if you turn on any radio station right now, FedEx and UPS are saying we're hiring for, for, for package, you know, helpers. And, but that's not what this is about, right? This is not about that part of the business. And you made that clear. So I think that people need to understand that there's a piece of FedEx's business that's doing just fine, barely on its way, trucking down the highway. But there are parts of it that they realize they probably flexed during COVID when the money was there and they could get some money, you know, get while the getting was good. And they're going to, like you said, Mm -hmm. refocus on what made them who they are and double down on it now that things are getting back to normal. So it's just it's just a reassurance of what you've been saying for probably the past year and a half. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Interesting times. All right. <clears throat> this is uh, one of our favorite. Uh, it's my personal favorite because we get to uh, have our own personal commentary during halftime brought to you by Cap Logistics. So, Pete, I, I, uh, I saw your story. I love it. I love it. Fire away, my friend. Yeah. Uh, this is one of those things that I came across on Twitter. For those of you who do not uh, do the twi- Twitter thing, I'm not as active on Twitter. Um, I'm not a blue check mark guy. I don't intend on buying the blue check mark, but um trade geek, by the way, if you're looking for me on on the on the Twitter, on the Twitterverse. I came across this story of a guy who ate a rotisserie chicken every day for 40 days. So, you know, like I'm my Twitter feed is pretty sad, everybody. Like it's it's you know it, it's it's economist stuff. It's like everything Peter Tershwell ever says. I like, you know, it's like all JOC stuff. It's, it, it's nerdy stuff. But, um, I, I can't, I came across this story and this guy basically said he was going to do it for 20 days. And there was some tangential thing about Philadelphia sports, which I never really put one and one together, pal. 
And then once he got to mm. 20 days, I guess a couple hundred people were sort of egging him on to get to 30. And then once he got to 30, he was like, what do you say we just go for 40, everybody? And um, on the 40th day, he rolled out a red carpet um, behind a dumpster on a pier behind a Walmart in Philadelphia. Yeah. And, and I, I don't mean to cash, cast, you know, unnecessary dispersions on Philadelphia, but it's a city that I despise. So maybe I do. Um, but that just seems like the right place for Philly, you know, behind a dumpster, behind a Walmart on a pier. Um, and he ate his 40th rotisserie chicken. And much was said about this. There were, there were news stories. There was much ballyhoo on Twitter. And Doug, here's what I have to say about it. Who cares? Okay. This is not, this is not that much of a feat. I have a friend named Sean. He's Hawaiian. He could eat five of these chickens every day for 40 days and say, can I have a pound of bacon for dessert? Five rotisserie mm -hmm. chickens would impress me. One rotisserie chicken, one rotisserie chicken is not impressive. And for 40 days, ooh, like I care. Mm -hmm. Anybody who's been in a, I've been on a low carb diet for two years, people. Do you know what I would do? I, I would love a rotisserie chicken every day. And that's another thing. I didn't see exactly how much of said rotisserie chicken he ate. Was he like getting down to the bones on this thing? Was he eating it like Robinson Crusoe? Like, what are we talking about? Uh, was it like the old 96er? Was he eating the grizzle and all? Like, how much into this thing was he getting, Doug? I'm not impressed, bro. Okay? Let's do something really weird, like eating Unami or something. Like, it was strange. Like, let's let's do Japanese natto every day for 40 days. Then, then I think I'll be really impressed, Doug. But I'm not impressed. Yeah. Yeah, or growing a 600-pound pumpkin and digging it out and, uh, you know, uh, paddling it down the... Uh, the Missouri River, forty-five miles, yeah. but and over over yeah. some falls, we had to take it over the falls too. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Not like what's the big deal on this one? I don't know. I don't understand it, man. I don't understand it. What do you All right, well, this is uh, <clears throat> well. Um, I got to bring some drone talk back, and I promise our audience this will be the last rant uh, oh, for well. 2022. When I saw the Bitcoin, Bitcoin, I'm like, what's um, what, what's my Batman to your Robin or your Robin to my Batman um, with, uh, with, with Bitcoin? It's drones. So it was very timely because I saw something this weekend that Amazon's resurrecting their drones and they're coming up with a, a new one called the MK30, which is going to be ready in 2024. First of all, who cares? Um, it, it's smaller, lighter. Better to handle heat and cold. They can handle light rain, Pete. Not not rain, light rain. I'm not really sure what that means. Um, yeah. And it's got a better navigation system. But here, here's the deal. It's still five pound max. Anything that fits in a shoebox, right, is the max space. And the radius is like three to four miles. Like, like who lives three to four miles from a distribution center that's consistently buying something that's less than five pounds? It fits in a shoebox. Oh, and then they're going to drop it from 12 feet. So that immediately eliminates stuff that would uh, potential for damage. And this new thing is it avoids animals and fences and it hears noise or sees heat below it. So it knows not when to drop it. You know, so Pete, how about some good old boys drinking beer that want to practice skeet shooting when this thing rolls over their property, right? Mm -hmm. Or some kids with rocks that are slingshotting it. 
or just people that want to steal it, right? They're going to take it down out of the air. So, you know, we've talked about drones that give medicine and deliver stuff into remote areas to help people in emergencies. I, I get that. But goodness gracious, why is this happening? Why is this being resurrected? And until I just don't get it, Even, it infuriates me. Five pounds in a shoebox, five miles or less than five miles from the DC, and it's going to drop it from 12 feet. How does that help me in my daily life? Doesn't at all. It has zero. It's just crazy. And then it, people are going to knock them out of the, the sky. People are going to try to steal stuff. They're going to repurpose the motors. I mean, it's just stop. I thought Amazon was better than that. You know, it just. It, it frustrates me. It's my last rant until somebody else comes up with something. They're going to throw more money at it. Maybe FTX will invest in it. I, I, I don't know, but um, it's just another example of how crazy drones are. Doug, did you try to get a job like as a predator pilot with the Air Force and they turned you down or something? <laughs> no, maybe it's because I never had a remote control car growing up. Maybe that's it. Maybe I'm just insecure and jealous uh, about being able to operate uh, remote control things. Maybe in my beard wax and my new beard trimmer from Amazon will come from a drone. Doug, mm -hmm. you're missing the, the idea of deployment. Okay, So I'll say it again. These are going to be deployed like a hive. Okay. Like a hive. They're going to, they're going to come out. Like a hive of drones, and they're gonna drop off these packages. Pa, 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 pa. And they're gonna come back, and then they're gonna get loaded again, then pa, 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 from some mothership. <laughs> it's gonna be a force multiplier. I mean, you got don't you watch Black Mirror, bro? Like, come on, this yeah. is this this is this is about <laughs> using less people to cover more space, more territory. Be a futurist, yeah. man. Be a futurist. Yeah, we'll set up a duck blind. What you just described is exactly what happens when people go hunting, right? Flush the birds out and take them down, right? So, oh, oh you're absolutely right. I, I can guarantee you that many members of my family would just, they would explode with glee pointing their 12 gauge out the back window of their kitchen to blast one of these things. Oh, 100%. Yep. Oh yeah. my gosh. And I think yeah. the term of, hey, y'all watch this is going to oh, pop yeah. out. Hey, y'all watch yeah. this. And then they just yeah. mow them down. Yeah. I think the slingshot too. That's a great example. Like a like an M80 on a slingshot. If you just time that just yeah. right. Oh, it'd be so glorious. And then you have to have your buddy with the camera to get the, the perfect video of it. They should blow them up. Also mm -hmm. drone to drone combat. If you can just get a drone to knock it down while you're out there. Doug, the, the, yeah, the entertainment is just endless with this. Yeah, maybe entertainment. I'm in for that. But uh, mm -hmm. effectively, delivery solution to solve problems? Nope. Make, no, forget it. Show All me right. on the doll where the drone touched you, Doug. Show me on the doll. <laughs> I, I, don't know, I don't know why you hate them so much. Mm. <sighs> anyway, anyway, that's halftime well, from our friends yep. at Cap Logistics. To learn more, check them out at caplogistics.com. Uh, they don't do drone deliveries, Doug, so we don't have to worry yeah, about that. That's why we've uh, partnered up with them. So, all right, man, <clears throat> fire away. Your topic all number right, two. So, um, G20 going on right now. I wasn't invited, Doug. So uh, two massive letdowns this week. I was not invited to the G20. And for the uh, like 30th year in a row, I was not um, selected as people's sexiest man alive last week. Um, I forget mm -hmm. who I went to, but it wasn't me. <clears throat> 
my letter was ignored yet again. Um, not even in the top 25, so I didn't make the issue. Um, every year, I send what I think is a tasteless uh, shirtless photo of me along with a reason why I should be included in the list, and yet again, nothing. But um, the invitation to the G20 seems not even a laugh, huh, Doug? Not even, you're not even going to crack a smile on that one. Uh, the G20 well, invitation... Was probably delivered, yeah, it was delivered by a drone, so it got lost. Shot down. Got it. Yeah. Uh, the um, the G20, I, a little more likely, but you know, the trip to Bali. And uh, Mr. Biden and Mr. Xi uh, met one another. This is, I believe, was the first time they've shaken hands since Mr. Biden has been president. And um, as I've been fond of saying, there's a lot of hatred right now between the two because of the Trump-Biden tariffs. They've been around for so long at this point, we might as well call them the Trump-Biden tariffs because... Biden could have gotten rid of them anytime he wanted at this point, but has not because of political pressure. And there was some really friendly talk between the two of them. You know, mm-hmm. Biden got up there and he talked about how nice Mr. Xi Jinping's hair looked and how adorable his suit was. And Xi Jinping took a good look at Mr. Biden and said, I love his aftershave. And the man really can sew the yarn. He's just a, a wonderful speaker. But all kidding aside, they did have very nice things to say about one another, about how they're interdependent on each other's commerce, and that they hope that over the coming year, they could find some way to work with one another on all of the tension that appears to be happening around the world and between these two great trading nations. I know for for myself, I read that and I was like, wow, thank God. Looks like everything's going to be cool. I mean, clearly... Everyone's getting along just fine. So I guess everything is just going to go back to the way it was prior to all these tariffs. Gully gosh, gee, I'll call all my clients and let them know problem solved. But (laughs) I think we all know, in fact, Doug, it's kind of like when you invite, uh, like you have a party and you've got these two friends that like everybody were really close with, but they got a divorce and it's been like a year and like they're, you know, they're not seeing anybody else, but you know, they're still single and, and you got to bring them both over because like your kid likes them both very much. And, you know, I, I, this, this is going a little too deep in the metaphor. So maybe this actually like happened to me and like you bring them both mm-hmm. over and you're like, you're just waiting, you're waiting for something to happen. That's kind of more the reality of what's happening here. They're putting on a nice face for the cameras and they're saying pleasant things, but behind the scenes, the people that are at the G20 in Bali, the people that came with the Chinese delegation, people that came with the US delegation, their talk isn't so happy. Their talk is is actually, it's quite stern, saying that the Chinese need to do something about buying Russian oil because it's making the wrong type of um, forays into global politic. The Chinese are saying that Americans need to do something about trying to get people to be a little softer with China with regards to semiconductor purchases and sales, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a big difference on what's being said by the leaders of these countries versus what's mm-hmm. being said by their economic delegations. So Doug, I guess what I'm trying to say is don't let the happy, kind talk that's coming from the two leaders of these nations fool you. The tension is all still very real under that quiet sheen on top of uh, of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agree 100%. You know, I <clears throat> here's a quote that I was going to throw out, Pete. It, um, they said, both of them said they agreed to further discussions with key officials, which goes along with what you just said. But your last comment there, is that a setup? So if something goes wrong, there's a scapegoat and somebody to blame. Because they'll be all happy on the surface and they're letting the other... 
uh, appointed leaders to uh, take care of the dirty work. Maybe that's a, an opportunity to position yeah. themselves uh, to throw folks under the bus that may not transpire with uh, successful negotiation. Yeah, Doug. I mean, that's that's part of of diplomacy, right? I think that the, an important mm -hmm. part of international relations and diplomacy is there's always there's always a patsy, you know, and there's always somebody who knows they're the patsy. There's always someone who's like, I realize that if all goes if all goes sideways, I'm the one whose head is on the chopping block. And that's just part mm -hmm. of this job. It's part of this deal is me being well aware of the fact that if this goes sideways, I am the designated scapegoat. But if everything goes great, I probably won't get any credit. But that's just part of this. So that's part of it. But I think um, more realistically, Doug, I think that um, you've got two countries that understand that their battle right now over these tariffs in particular has probably gone on long enough, elevated this to a point now where we've got so many other things that are happening. You can get rid of this now. There's still a total mess happening. It's not going to mm -hmm. affect all the other things that are going on. And it would probably give them both some political points at home while still giving everybody plenty to argue and complain and, and, uh, and throw knives over. Yeah. 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 Good point. All right, buddy. Bring all us right. home. All right. So uh, this was a headline I saw the other day. And I was, uh, it, it caught me by surprise. But anyway, it, the, the take was, is the, um, the young supply chain talent deserting our sector, right? Um, and I got a little bit of passion on this one for a couple of reasons. One, some of our audience that's here local may know of, an, a, of a group or a, 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 a conference called Operation Stimulus, where we bring in students from across the country that are getting degrees in supply chain. They put on a case competition. We mix in some real-world breakout sessions and everything else. Um, it was uh, killed for COVID, and it's coming back again, and Colorado State University is going to help us resurrect that. So if you want to visit operationstimulus.org, there's some things coming up for spring of 2023. But my point is there um, is that seniors – so keep that – sidebar that for a second. So senior supply chain professionals are saying that the retention is a huge issue, um, is that they're churning these uh, these new logisticians so fast they're not developing the tribal knowledge um, to really grasp uh, our industry. And 20% uh, of those uh, don't feel valued. So a um, couple things on this one, Pete, going back to Operation Stimulus, there's something called book smarts and there's something called street smarts. And as much as uh, technology and log tech has been the theme for the last couple of years. When you get into our industry, and you said this on last week's show, you, you get in the trenches. You're still rolling up your sleeves, and you're dealing with irate people on the phone, and you're trying to figure out where freight is, and you're trying to negotiate things. And it is, Harry, it doesn't matter what you learned in a book, right? For you to be able to talk and address people in the real world about what's going on, that's a skill that is still relevant in our industry a lot more than people might think. You can't just kick them to a, a 1-800 number or a website to solve their problems. People don't want that in this industry. So I think there's a, a disconnect with the younger generation and how they can learn to, to, um, to operate in that environment. Can they do it? Yes. But they need on-the-job training. And uh, when push comes to shove in some instances and they got people breathing down their neck and yelling at them for things they don't control – um, I can definitely see uh, a younger generation saying, this is crazy, I'm out of here. And part of it is that supply chain 
in the modern era is not uh, operationally focused as as much. Or people get degrees, they want to get into the analytics and the planning and the strategy, and that stuff is still uh, out there. It's growing, but as an entry level person, that's not really what you're going to be playing around with. So um, the street smarts versus the book smarts, I think, is a transition um, that has taken this uh, new generation. Um, a little bit by surprise, and um, they, they need to develop some um, initiative and confidence to deal with really what happens when you walk in and say, I'm a junior logistics professional at XYZ company. So um, I don't think it's deserting. I think it's just the way that we need to uh, pivot and deal with the young workforce and get them some training because a book isn't going to tell you how to operate on a day-to-day and, and dealing with clients and supporting your company as you move forward. So don't freak out. Nobody's deserting anything. We just need to reapproach them as we train them on the job. That's my whole point with this one, Pete. So um, I'll start with this, right? Famous, famous who lyric, the kids are all right. The kids are all right. Uh, I had a bittersweet departure from Wayfair. Uh, it wasn't my choice. And I was upset about leaving mostly because I loved my team. They were very, very special to me. And although I did work on my particular team with a couple of industry veterans, most of my team was made up of relatively young, uh, beginning to early career logistics professionals. And they fit a lot of the descriptions that you made, uh, MBAs undergraduates in supply chain, technically out of my league, you know, and data driven, very, very good at data, but wouldn't know the end of the container that opened from the one that you, you push the cargo against if I wrote them a, a diagram. But then I showed them what I could show them and they were thirsty to learn. And um, they, uh, the thing about this generation that I love that I'm working with now is when you give them a piece of information, when you teach them something that makes them feel like they have an edge, they never forget it. And they're, they're hungry for something that sets them apart because they feel like they're just so vanilla and they feel like um, there's nothing that distinguishes them from their peers. So I loved being surrounded by people who were thirsty to learn more. And this is an industry of so much nuance and so many details, and it comes slowly. And I think that's a big reason why so many young people get fed up and leave, is it's not like we can just inject your brain with all this crap that we've learned over decades. I mean, I've been doing this shit for 30 years, Doug, 30 years. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you have too, right? You're damn yeah. near it. I mean, all the little things that we've learned about from all the stupid airport codes to who to call when you need help with this, to what mistake not to make twice. And you can't, you can't just, deed that to somebody you got to trip over stuff you got to touch the stove 
you got to have somebody tell it to you. And it comes slow because it's a gigantic world with a bazillion airports. And although it might seem like it's wash, rinse, repeat, all those different places have different ways of doing it. And all of those customers have their own particular way of being served. So it takes time. And in a world where people are generally used to being told how special they are and being rewarded very quickly, time isn't something they want to invest. So when you meet people that are willing to invest time in you, and I get to work with people who are willing to take a little bit of time, it's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And those are the ones that really become something special in this business because all the computers and all of the databases and all of those things in the world, man, they're never going to replace that. You can, mm-hmm. and, and I don't care what kind of AI and machine learning you come up with. It's just, I'll be, way, we'll be way dead before it ever replaces that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I, you know, Doug, I love, I love that program. And I, I think it's up to us because somebody gave you and I a shot. And it's up to us to give these kids a shot so that when they're old doing their webcast, they give somebody a shot and we can keep this brotherhood, sisterhood going because it's, it, it starts and ends with us. Yeah. Uh, you ended it a lot better than I, than I started it. So that's oh, perfect. Know, man, cause, cause you know, I could go, I could go pretty hard in the paint on this. You know, I, yeah. I could, I could, but I, I didn't, I, I chose to be pretty positive about it because I, for all the things that have happened in this industry where I've been disappointed. I remember how disappointing I must've been when I was 25 years old too. So, <laughs> um, that's, that's it for uh, another yep. edition of global trade this week. And speaking of worthless young people, I want to thank Keenan for all the work <laughs> that he does behind the scenes, keeping the show going. And I want to thank global trade this week's uh, sponsor, the good people at cap logistics for all they do to keep this thing going. Uh, and I want to thank you, all of our listeners and all of our viewers for coming back week after week for telling your friends. We really do appreciate it. Uh, and as yep. always, Doug, I appreciate you for putting up with me and keeping the show on track and we'll see you all again uh, next week with another great edition of Global Trade this week. See ya. All right. Thanks, Pete. See ya, buddy.